Well, you know, I do think it's going to rain. You know, it's interesting. Whenever we go to a t-ball game, and as a t-ball parent, uh, that's the last thing that we want to hear, right? That I think it's going to rain. In fact, whenever they begin to talk about rain, I start praying for thunder and lightning. Because, you know, if that happens, then they'll catch the game. Last thing we want to do is sit there in the rainstorm and actually watch them try to hit the t-ball. Can I get a witness on that? And let me ask you, how many of you have actually sat through a sporting event in the rain before? Just slip a hand up right quick. Yeah, put your hand down. How many of you will be honest and you said, man, that was miserable, right? It's absolutely horrible. But you know, on a Saturday morning, and I've had this happen to me before, that I have heard on the roof some rain kind of hitting, and then I kind of open my eyes a little bit, look out the window, and the rain is dripping down the windowsill, and I realize I got nothing to do that day, and I'm telling you, I absolutely love the rain at that moment, right? What I do is just curl up in a little ball, I reposition the pillow, and I go fast asleep, and I don't get up till supper time. Can I get a witness on that one, right? But it's interesting, you know, at a t-ball game, sometimes I can be like, I can't stand the rain. But then on Saturday morning, it's like, I love the rain. But what's the difference? Well, the difference is all perspective. One word, just perspective. And you know, this morning, I want you and I to understand that as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are times in our life, as we are following the Lord, that we are actually going to experience some rain. And by this, I mean we're going to face some trials in our lives. The clouds are going to form, the thunder's going to roll, and there's actually going to be some lightning. However, our perspective on the rain will determine our response to the rain. And you know, the disciples of the Lord Jesus, they experienced rain literally in Luke's gospel. And this morning, as we go verse by verse through Luke's gospel, that's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. This morning, we're going to see the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ experiencing some rain like never before. And really what we want to do is ask one major question of our text. We want to know what kind of perspective should we have on the rain? Or we could ask it like this, what sort of perspective should we have in the very midst of our trials? So Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 22, you got it there in front of you. Say yes. And let's stand to our feet in honor of God's word. Uh, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says, Now one uh, of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be into danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds into water, and they obey him? So let's bow together. Father, again, thank you for your word. I fully you know, confident, Lord, there's a lot of people going through trials and difficulties in their life right now. So, Lord, I pray that you would use this scripture text uh, really to revolutionize how they look at their trial, changing their perspective, looking at it from a different angle. And, God, they walk out of here encouraged, realizing that you are working something in their life for their greater good and for your greater glory. And, Father, also I pray that you would just fill with the Spirit. Use me. Uh, this service as you see fit. Use your word to draw people to salvation who don't know you personally, but also to challenge us to grow deeper in our walk with you. And God will give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, and you can be seated. So what should our perspective be? And really, I'll kind of preach this sermon to myself. What should my perspective be 
on trials. Well, a few things that we see from this text. First of all, I must expect rain even when I'm following the Lord Jesus. I need to expect rain even when I am following Jesus. Look in your Bible again, verse 22. Uh, the Bible says, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep in a fierce gale of wind, descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and be in danger. Now, notice, first of all, whose idea it was to actually get in the boat and go to the other side. It was not the disciples. It was actually the Lord Jesus. So Jesus' idea was to get in the boat. And what happened with this group of disciples is that they were following the leadership. They were following the guidance of the Lord. So they were literally walking in step with Jesus Christ. Now, there's no indication anybody said anything about the weather. They heard what Jesus said, so they launched out. They set sail immediately. Now, the disciples, take it. This is awesome. Most of them are fishermen, right? And uh, many of them have been on this particular sea before us, the Sea of Galilee. And this sea is known for its sudden, unpredictable, violent storms. And there's no doubt that these fishermen have been in a storm before, but this rain was different. In fact, you can picture them in your mind with me this morning as they are doing their absolute best to keep that boat afloat. Man, they're throwing water overboard. They're grabbing a hold of the sides. They're panicked. They're going absolutely berserk, but to no avail. As far as I'm concerned, uh, this particular storm in the Scripture is only a precursor to what their life would be like as disciples of Jesus. You might remember Jesus preached a sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And on this particular sermon, he was actually delivering some news to those who would follow him. And he says to them that they're actually going to be persecuted. It's like, you're going to follow me, you're going to be persecuted. But check this out. You'll be blessed in the midst of your persecution. He says you're going to be salt, you're going to be light in a wounded and a dark world. You're going to be traveling down a narrow pathway in which most people, listen, most people do not desire to hear anything about the Lord. So you're going to be faced with false teaching at every single turn, with wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. He even says you're going to be surrounded by false converts. So in the very midst of a group of believers, there will be false converts, people who really don't know the Lord Jesus. And uh, Jesus makes that so plain. And matter of fact, he even says that the cares of this world are going to violently assault you. Uh, matter of fact, he had already mentioned as well that they would be witnesses for him. And the word witnesses literally speaks of the fact that they would become martyrs. So they would die for their faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, what's wild about this to me is that they are following Jesus. So Jesus calls them, and Jesus gets them in the boat, and Jesus sets sail with them. All the while, a storm is approaching. You know, the life of a disciple is not all sunshine and roses. In fact, you are going to face rain. You're going to face trials. So we as disciples need to expect it. We need to realize that it's coming even when we are following the Lord Jesus. You know, so often people believe that if things aren't going very well, then it must be because they aren't following Jesus. I would beg to differ. Sometimes because you're following Jesus, things ain't going real well. Y'all out there? So you face these difficulties. You face these trials in your life. But you need to expect that. I need to expect it. That's just how um, the ball rolls. Y'all out there say yes. Y'all need to act like y'all listening to some preaching this morning, all right? So we've got to expect it. Now, how many of you know that a storm or trial will show up in your life absolutely out of nowhere? Just shows up. It's like you're hanging out. You're sailing, right? You're having a great time, man. Boom, it's happening. Then all of a sudden the storm shows up. 
But you know, James tells us to have Brother Jesus. He's like, consider it all joy when you face various trials. So no follower of Jesus Christ is exempt from difficulties. No trials, no difficulties and problems. Uh, listen, we face them in life. They are not uncommon. We as believers need to expect them. But then secondly, there's the truth I want you to know. And that is that I must realize the rain brings forth growth in my life. Now, just so we're all aware about trials in general, we know, need to know that trials can come for different reasons. In fact, some trials come because of our carnal lifestyle. That is our fleshly living. We're walking outside of the will of God, and as a result, boom, we're in the very midst of a trial, trouble, difficulties. In fact, in my own personal devotion, I've been reading 1 Kings, and as I'm reading through 1 Kings, I am amazed and how so many kings are making just unwise, ridiculously dumb choices. And as a result, it is giving birth in their life to all kinds of trials and difficulties. In fact, as you think about the kings in the Old Testament, you might remember David. David was a man after God's own heart. However, he created a trial. How did he do that? Well, he committed adultery on his wife. And as a result, he gave birth to this trial in his life. So you may be facing a trial this morning that you burst because of your carnal lifestyle. But then secondly, we know some trials come to those who are living righteously. That is, they are following the Lord Jesus. They've got a heart for him. I mean, they're bent towards heaven. They're seeking the Lord. They're walking in prayer with the Lord Jesus. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a trial shows up. Well, you know, Job had that going on. Job is an Old Testament figure whom the Bible says lived for God. He was a righteous man. Matter of fact, more righteous than anybody else around. And yet Job faced some of the most great difficulties and trials that a man could ever imagine. Now, the New Testament reiterates, and James says it. He's like, you're going to face various trials. Various trials. Everybody say various. And the word various, it actually, whenever you begin to kind of take a look at it, it talks about the fact that it is multicolored, multifaceted. So that is, you and I are going to face all different colors of trials. Now, whenever I begin to write about colors this week, I begin to think about crayons. Y'all out there? That's typically what I write my sermons in anyway, so I had a crayon in my hand. In 1903, Crayola came into being. In 1905, they had 30 different color crayons. You know how many color crayons they got now? Matter of fact, $500. Anybody knows? I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you'd holler out. 133 different colors of crayons. Matter of fact, they got one color called eggplant. They got another color called burnt orange, which is my personal favorite. Amen? But anyway, all different colors. You say, well, why in the world are you telling us that? Well, I don't really know. But I, I'm just kidding. Here's the reason I'm telling you that. Every single color you can imagine, it's like there's a trial with that kind of color in it. It's almost as if we could say we will face as many trials in life as there are colors in this life. But trials can come for different reasons. Some of them come because of carnal living. Some of them come in the midst of righteous living. But we also study the New Testament, and we find that trials have a purpose. You see, you, this is wild. You ever been hanging out with some people when a rain shower came and somebody spoke up and they're like, man, we needed some rain. We sure did, needed some of it. So glad to have some rain. Well, as a follower of Jesus... And it's difficult to even say this, but that's how we should be when the proverbial rain comes in our life. When a trial shows up, we need to learn to say, we needed some rain. You say, well, why in the world would you say we needed some rain? Why would we need a trial? Well, at the heart of every single trial is an opportunity for our faith to be strengthened. 
So we need trials to grow us in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God says in Isaiah 48 and 10, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this salvation you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, listen, you have been distressed by various trials. There that is again. Various trials, multicolored trials. And then he says, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So scripture clearly indicates that God will test your faith in the fire of affliction and trial in order to reveal the authenticity of your faith, in order to reveal whether or not your faith is genuine. As a matter of fact, I kind of give you this statement, but very quickly, an untested faith does not exist. An untested faith does not exist. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you better know, man, it's going to be tested. Now, you could wonder, why would a trial be given to us to prove whether or not our faith is authentic? I mean, doesn't God know if we're for real or not? Indeed, God knows if we're for real or not. However, to be certain that you know you are for real, God allows great tests, trials, and difficulties, and problems to come. You know, Paul the Apostle knew all about this in his life personally. In fact, he ran into all sorts of rain. He had a thorn in the flesh, the Bible says. In fact, he prayed about it on multiple occasions. He's like, Lord, get this thorn out of my flesh. He's praying, God, make, just get rid of it. Whatever the affliction was, we don't even know. He never names it. But we do know that God didn't remove it. So God allowed him, listen, God allowed him to have the trial all the days of his life. Even though he prayed and said, take it away. But here's what God said to him. God's like, my grace is sufficient. So think about it like this. You remember all them crayons I was talking to you about? I'm asking you a question. Do you remember all the crayons I was talking to you about? The cray How many were there I forgot? 130. Y'all are so smart. 133 different trials, right? Different colors of different trials. Now look over here. Jesus has a box of colors too. For every single color of trial that you face, the Lord God has a color of grace to match it. His grace is always sufficient always comes through, always strengthens you, always helps you. And Paul the Apostle knew this. In fact, Paul the Apostle says in 2 Corinthians 4, we were afflicted in every way. That means pressed in. But listen to what he says right after that. But not crushed. And then he says it like this. We were uh, perplexed, but we were not despairing. We were persecuted, but not forsaken. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you and I face persecution as followers of Jesus, often that's when we're like, where's God? But Paul the Apostle will say, no, no, I was persecuted, but never forsaken. God was always with me. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to like it whether y'all do or not. But anyway, so uh, he says we were struck down. And when he says struck down, he means literally, man, they were beaten with rods. They were struck down, but then he notes, but not destroyed. <laughs> and by the way, Paul the Apostle is the one that said, hey, look at this. You can kill me if you want to, but to die is gain. So even if they struck him down to death... His grace is sufficient. <laughs> Y'all out there? I didn't think about that the first service. That was good. <laughs> but Paul flat out knew to reign. He knew it all in his life. But Paul's the one in Romans uh, chapter 8 who makes this statement. He says, we know. And listen, whenever he says we know, he's talking about from personal experience. So Paul says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
So just as God allows rain to fall upon a garden to make it grow, so God allows the rain to fall on you and I to help us grow. Now think about this for just a moment. You know, rain shows up on a garden. I had a garden one time, and uh, I grew a bunch of weeds in it, but I had a garden one time, and it wasn't very big either, so I don't really look on brag on it, but I remember thinking I need some rain. And then when the rain come, boy, I had squash coming out my ears. Y'all listening? But the rain fell, and the squash came. Listen, when the trial falls in a believer's life, when the trial falls in a Christian's life, listen, what shows up? What grows out of it? Christ. Y'all out there? God is in the process of bringing forth fruit from your life and from my life. And sometimes it is only through the rain that the fruit can be seen. So we experience those fruits of the Spirit. That's love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness. And these show up sometimes in the very midst of the trial. And how awesome that is, man, to think about how the Lord is working in our hearts and lives. Can I put it to you this way, too? Well, I'll give it to you at the end. Let me, let me keep preaching here. Y'all still with me? Say, yeah. This real rainstorm that we're reading about in Luke's gospel and chapter 8. This real deal was an opportunity for the disciples to see their faith. So notice verse 24, if you will. Uh, the Bible says, they came to Jesus and they woke him up. said, Master, Master, we are perishing. Now, by the way, does that shock y'all that Jesus is like taking a nap during all this? Y'all ever, ever prayed like that? Lord, you must be asleep. What is, what's going on, right? So we face those trials. And it's amazing how a little bit of rain can blur our vision of the heart of Christ toward us. Think about how you've responded to trials in your life before. You know, some people see the rain and, man, they cry about it. They just whine. It's almost like um, how we experience a little rain when we begin to sulk and throw a little pity party with the Lord. And we're like, Lord, you don't care about me. <laughs> Y'all ain't never prayed like that, have you? Lord, you don't care about me. What's it, all this mess happening in my life? I'm about to drown under all this water. Is this how you treat people who are following hard after you? What's up with this? So they see the rain, they cry about it. Some people see the rain and they gripe about it. So they just get angry at the rain sometimes. And then our anger, it turns toward God. And so we think God's, you know, just forgotten all about us. And we get this, God doesn't care about me complex. People are like, where are you now, God? I mean, is this really how you work? Is this how it's going to be? I mean, we're going to follow you, and you're going to act like this. And so it's almost as if they come to a point where they're shaking their fist toward heaven. They're so ill at the Lord for what's going on in their life. So some see the rain, they cry about it. Some see the rain, they gripe about it. But then some see the rain, and they turn on the windshield wipers. Now somebody's like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, when the trial comes, they are more intently focused on the Lord during that time. So they don't let the rain determine who Jesus is. Can I say that again to y'all? Because I want about three amens on that at least. They do not allow the rain to determine who Jesus is. How amazing is that? They simply look more intently to Christ during the trial. So they wipe away the temptation to cry about their situation. They wipe away the temptation to gripe and grow bitter toward the Lord. And they understand God never allows a pain in our lives which serves no purpose in our life. Every problem is designed to strengthen our faith in the Lord, to strengthen our trust in God. So God wants our understanding of his nature and his character to deepen. And in short, God wants us to experience him every single day of our lives. 
And as we experience Him more and more every day, our trust in Him grows more and more. Now, I um, went to the Y um, this weekend. Y-M-C-A. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. I was looking for somebody to do the little hand signals. But anyway, so we were hanging out at the YMCA. We got some, uh, you know, a little membership there now. And so we're, you know, after I finished lifting all them little sissy weights ahead in there, we went and we went swimming with all the kids, right? And so uh, went in there, and it's pretty sleek because they've got this uh, swimming pool in there, and then they got the slide. Any of y'all seen this slide at the Y before? It's a sweet deal, and that thing is super fast when I get on it. So I was riding this slide with my kids, and then Gavin, you know, who's five years old, he wanted to ride, but he's a little scared to go by himself. So I said, Gavin, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take you up there, and uh, you can ride down with me. And so after a little bit of, you know, convincing, uh, he said, okay, we'll do it. So that's what we did. We, you know, walked up a little spiral staircase, and I sat down, and he sat right in my lap, and we went down, and I held him up at the last minute so he wouldn't get wet under the water. And then as soon as it started, we was like, let's do it again. So we did it again, and again, <laughs> and again. <laughs> so like a hundred times, you know what I mean? And it was kind of crazy because every single time we walked up to the slide, he said, Daddy, make sure you hold me up. I'm like, boy, I did 99 times. What's wrong with you? Talk to me like that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. But anyway, so uh, we get up here, and he gets a little more brave every single time. I say, I'll tell you what, Gar uh, Gavin. Uh, I call him Garrison sometimes. I don't know my kid's name. But anyway, so we get on. I said, this time, man, I'm really going to go fast this time. We're going to lay back. So we lay back, and I figured out how to go quick on that bad boy. You don't believe me? You try it. Only let your heels touch and your shoulder blades. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Luke, man. You know what I'm saying? You was hauling down that thing. They asked me to put on a helmet I was going so fast. <laughs> I didn't say that in the first service. But anyway, so uh, we were hauling, but I held him up, and he loved it. Let's go again. So we go again, and next time I sit him right beside me so he can feel the slide. I want him to feel it. And so we go all the way down. We're done with that. We're finished. And I say, hey, man, you want to go by yourself? He says, no, Dad, I don't know. I say, go by yourself, man. I'll stand right down here at the bottom. I'll catch you. When you come down, you just hold your hands up. He got brave. He went up to the top. Are y'all listening? He looks down at me to make sure I'm down there. Just slide, boy. All these people are watching you. I didn't say that either. But anyway, he's got them goggles on. They're about to pop his eyeballs out. He gets over the top. He comes flying down the thing, man. And right before he gets to the end, he holds his hands up like this, you know, and I grab him and save his life and uh, pull him out. But then it dawned on me, you know what? Gavin got to know me a whole lot more yesterday at the Y. So what are you talking about? He knows he can trust his daddy now. Went down with him one time, went down this way, all different ways he went down this trial, and every single time grabbed him. Same thing with you, man. Some of you are going down the slide, and you're at the very end, man. You're like, where's the Lord? Hold your hands up. And you know what's wild, too? It's kind of interesting to me. Whenever we were going down the slide, the faster I went, the harder he squeezed me. <laughs> Smart boy. <laughs> but you know what? The greater the trial, the harder you squeeze onto the Lord. You squeeze Him. And when you do this, you get to know Him in ways you would have never been able to know Him before. But the trial gave birth to it. So it's interesting. All the trials have a purpose. So we got to expect trials. Trials are going to come. Got to realize it brings growth. Trials have a purpose. But then thirdly, I must remember who I serve in the rain. That is, I have Jesus. You know, a couple of truths about the Lord here in this text that I want to give you very quickly. Jesus is a sympathetic man. You know, the Bible says in verse 23 uh, that during the rain, Jesus uh, himself was asleep. 
And now, my Bible tells me, and uh, I think James actually just read it a minute ago, that God never sleeps. So God never takes a nap. But in this text, Jesus is sleeping. Now, you know, we believe Jesus to be God in the flesh because he is. But then at this point, it's like he's sleeping. But the Bible says God never sleeps. It's like there's a contradiction. What's happening? Is there a problem? Well, no. You know, if you were here when I preached through Philippians, you might remember that Philippians teaches us a marvelous truth about Jesus, and that is that he chose to lay aside some divine privileges when he came in the flesh. One of which would have been the fact that he didn't need any sleep. So Jesus Christ was fully man. And everybody, you know, who's a man needs to sleep. But it's, you know, obvious whenever you study Scripture why Jesus Christ needed to be fully man. You know, we could say, why is it so vital? What's the big deal? Why did Jesus need to experience things like we do? Listen, because we needed to have someone who could ride through the storms with us. We needed someone who knew what it felt like to be in the middle of a boat undergoing a great torrential downpour. We need someone who knows what it is to be tempted as we are by the enemy and yet without sin. So we need someone who knows what it is to undergo persecution for being obedient to God the Father. We need someone who can sympathize with our weaknesses because they've experienced trials and troubles and temptations just like we experience. We need a sympathetic man. And the Bible teaches in Hebrews 4 and 15 um, that we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet he is without sin. So here's the deal. You're going through a trial. Phenomenal news for you. Jesus sympathizes with you during the rain. He knows what it feels like. He's been there. He's done that. And you may lose every single thing you've got in the middle of the rain, but I want you to know you will never lose a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is always with you. And what's wild about the Lord Jesus is that the Bible teaches us that Jesus has never failed. Y'all let that one sink in for just a minute. He's never failed. So when he says, I'm going to be there with you, guess what? He's going to be there. So we need that sympathetic man. But also we know in this text, Jesus is sovereign God. If all the disciples had in that storm was a sympathetic man, they would have drowned. However, they had one who was fully man while simultaneously fully God. In verse 24, he says, And Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and it became calm. So Jesus got up and spoke to the waves like they were children. And just basically said, sit down and be quiet. And everything got calm. You know, I want to assure you, the man they had with them was the God-man. He was sympathetic to their circumstances, and he was sovereign over their circumstances. It's like, how in the world could Jesus tell the winds and the waves what to do? Well, you can tell them what to do when you created them. Are y'all out there? So this is... True of the Lord Jesus in your trial as well. Please listen closely. Are y'all listening and say yes? This is awesome. Jesus stands ready as you trust him to endure your trial on your behalf, living his life through you. He will face your trial head on on your behalf. It is Christ alive in you who is living through you. So the goal in the trial is to make sure you remind yourself that you are dead but alive. And it is the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus, reigning inside of you who is facing that downpour on your behalf. You hold on to Him tightly. 
Now, some of you may, you know, watch the sport on television called UFC fighting. Uh, if you do, you've heard the term tap out before, right? They get into that octagon and they wrestle each other. And, uh, you know, the term tap out shows up. Krista told me all about it. I don't watch it mess. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the goal is for a person to put such pressure on their opponent that they give up by tapping out. You know, this can be done by tapping on the ground. You can tap on your opponent right before he snaps your arm off or he smashes your face in. So you tap him and the game's over. It's like, I quit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which some of those guys, I've seen them, right? If I went in the ring and I saw him, I'd just be on the floor tapping. I'd be like, I'm out, dog. <laughs> you win. You take the belt, man. It ain't a big one, but I'll give it to you, whatever you need. Help me, Lord. But anyway, so uh, sometimes that's how we think it is with the Lord. We view our trials like that. We think God's kind of bending our arm back, seeing how much pressure we can take and see if whether or not we're going to tap out. But look, that's not the point. Faith in Jesus is not tapping out. Faith in Jesus is realizing that he fights the trial on your behalf. So it's Jesus in the ring, not you. We trust him to live his life through us in our trial and bring us out on the other end, safe from the storm. So when you look at the rain in your life, what kind of perspective do you have? When you see a trial, whether you're about to go into it, whether you're in the middle of it or coming out of it, what's your attitude like? Are you sitting back going, man, I just can't stand the rain? Or are you sitting back looking at an opportunity to grow in your relationship with the Lord and say, man, you know what? Maybe I needed some rain. Pretty interesting, isn't it? How things change. Well... Let's pray. Father, uh, speak to hearts and...